0: Hello, Dementia Matters podcast listeners. Thank you for returning to the podcast during this COVID 19 pandemic. I know you have a lot on your mind, and despite being at home, I know life is not easy. It's an understatement to say we are living in an extraordinary time, but whatever you want to call this ongoing experience, it is asking extraordinary things of us. And life doesn't just stop because of it, which is why this podcast continues. I want to pivot here on Dementia Matters and address important issues affecting those with cognitive impairment and those without during this COVID-19 coronavirus pandemic. I cannot cover all the issues and frankly shouldn't. I encourage you to go to trusted sources for specific information such as the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, your state and local health department websites, and the Alzheimer's Association. You can also find resources on our website, at adrc.wisc.edu, that's adrc.wisc.edu, and that of the Wisconsin Alzheimer's Institute at wai.wisc.edu. For other interesting and important stories on the COVID-19 pandemic, I would recommend my colleague at UW Health, Dr. Jonathan Kohler of the Surgery Set Podcast, who has a special series called The Frontlines of COVID. We will include these links to all these resources in our show notes. For those of you affected by Alzheimer's disease or any cause of cognitive impairment, you know better than anyone that it takes a community to care for those affected and to work on the front lines of treatment, prevention, and cure. What we face with COVID-19 is no different. We all are needed in this fight, and I thank you for whatever it is that you're doing. Take care and be safe. My guest today in Dementia Matters is Ms. Becky DeBurr, the Program Director at Alzheimer's and Dementia Alliance of Wisconsin. She is a graduate of the University of Wisconsin Platteville with a Masters of Science. Becky has significant experience in rural Wisconsin communities, developing innovative educational dementia programs for persons with dementia and their family caregivers. Also sustainability of rural dementia care networks and providing in-depth care consultations with families and persons with dementia. In addition, she is part of the team at the Richland Area Geriatric Assessment Center Memory Diagnostic Clinic in Richland Center, Wisconsin. That's a long name, Becky. But welcome to Dementia Matters.
1: Great. Thank you for having me today.
0: I'm grateful to have this opportunity to talk with you, given the COVID-19 circumstances. As a result of the pandemic, many of our caregivers are feeling increasing stress and anxiety. On top of that, some caregivers are not able to be directly present for their loved ones due to assisted living facilities and nursing facility lockdowns. On today's program, I want to focus on tips for caring for a loved one remotely and in a facility. Due to the COVID-19 pandemic, many facilities are not allowing visitors or limiting visitors. How can caregivers still connect with their family members in these circumstances?
1: I think that's a really good question. As for many of us during this um, COVID period, we've just been feeling like our days are sort of blurring together. And in talking with caregivers by phone, email, or even text, um, they're telling me the way they're connecting with their loved one is and some of these are very current apps that people are aware of is FaceTime or your Samsung Duo um, by using the telephone, just simply having a conversation. Some are going to their computer or laptop or tablet and using things like Zoom or Skype. Um, I think the problem that they're running into is that older folks just may not know how to use these apps. So the key for Family caregivers and the staff at the facilities is just to work closely. The staff will have to help assist and set up that communication device, and likely stay with the person so that they can focus on the FaceTime. For some of this, it might be a little humorous to see themselves, but also see the person or confusing too. Um, and of course, some staff are going to be more savvy with their technology than others, and so. I would just recommend that if you have this request, that a lot of people are requesting to do this and it is taking staff time um, to do it and just be patient. The other things that are happening out in the rural communities is just really fun things. And I think we've seen these on Facebook or different Instagram where people are going to the windows of the long-term care facilities and they've got goats or dogs or horses, or maybe they're holding up a happy birthday sign because, you know, there's a lot of um, just being content and looking out the window and watching the bird feeders or the traffic go by that, you know, please people. And that's okay to have quieter moments in time like that when you are um, in a long-term care setting. But how fun has it been to just see the local FFA chapter here took their goats and they shared pictures over the school Facebook page. And I thought that was wonderful that they thought to do that. and that intergenerational back and forth is so nice to see too so again it's kind of trial and error for the person because you're not able to talk to them Um, some facilities will offer that the windows can be open some guidelines that they can't be open so it's just kind of a give and take i would say if you're going to go this route try not to have too high of expectations because it's just hard to know um, visually, how people are going to, you know, take in that information. So, a few other ways, of course, is sending mail and what a time it is to just sit down and write a letter, send a card. People want to send gifts. Um, I think it would be nice to talk with the person after they get a package in the mail and just reminisce about, hey, what were the contents of the package and and uh, talk about that with the person to feel a little bit more connection. I think that. That's for social distancing. We don't have to be emotionally distancing. So keep that in mind. Um, and I think, too, for family caregivers on the outside, it's kind of being aware of not to set that expectation that can't be easily kept um, by you. So sometimes when those expectations are there from the person with dementia, they Um, Maybe you remember something about a package or I'm supposed to remember something and though they're not quite able to grasp that idea or maybe the time frame that it would arrive or maybe you weren't able to send it out as quickly as you thought you would and so there's a lag of of time there. Um, So the COVID restrictions too, um, do we have enough staff on hand at the facilities to handle maybe the volume um, of packages or cards or letters that are coming in. I don't have a good sense of that, but I think that the first priority is the patient care. Um, and so I think that they're doing the best that they can. So what could happen is for the person with dementia, maybe they start to have a little bit of additional agitation because I just can't remember, I'm supposed to remember something but I don't know what it is, Or maybe some wandering and searching which could add additional stressors to the staff who are on hand. Um, another thing I think to think about too is just that idea of cross-contamination. So while we're not wanting to spread this virus, um, when things are coming into the facility, what does the facility reasonably have to do to keep their staff and the, the people who live there safe? So it's another time constraint maybe that we haven't really been thinking about. So. I think it's too a thing to consider. It's just, it's a, so many additional layers right now. We're trying to keep ourselves ha- our healthy and our staff healthy and all of the things that go along. It's just the, the COVID-19 adds a layer of complexity to s- things that seem like simple actions, like I'm just gonna send this package. <laughs> um, but I think maybe as I care Giver or a family member taking a step back just right now and saying, is this um, something that's really going to help the person in the facility? Or am I doing it just to make myself feel better? And I do think those are two kind of really different things there. And so once that item enters the facility, um, think about the additional labing, labeling and safekeeping and tracking and disinfecting and all of those sorts of things. So under normal conditions, I think that this wouldn't be a concern and we wouldn't even probably talk about it today. However, the COVID stressors, I think that is something to think about is, am I putting um, additional stress on staff who are already stressed?
0: I think that's a great, great answer and it does, this COVID situation has required more patience and understanding from us, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, and it wouldn't be a skill that should be helpful for us going forward. I love the idea of the package and then talking about the package, um, because who doesn't love getting a care package in the mail? And then it is something that is cognitively stimulating for the person that we're sending it to to talk about it. But then, at the same time, having these reasonable expectations and being adaptable—if they don't remember it, that's okay. You know, that's something that we need to to be okay with. Um, but the other thing that I took away, Becky, is that you know, having people help set up devices or apps. Uh, It really is a key step and then something i hadn't considered was asking care providers or staff to stay present during the conversation in case of issues i can imagine someone wanting to be respectful of privacy and so handing an ipad off to someone and then walking away but maybe um, if time allows having that person actually be there uh, in case there is an issue but that leads to my next question which is what kinds of things can family members reasonably ask of the care staff at these facilities, knowing that they are incredibly busy and that there are other people uh, that need their attention as well?
1: Right, I think the first thing that comes to my mind is that all care facilities in the state of Wisconsin are licensed and are following specific rules and regulations. And so as a family, it's being aware um, that those rules still apply. Even during the COVID period. So you can always go and check out those regulations at uh, dhs.wisconsin.gov. And also, each facility has adopted those COVID 19 recommended guidelines. So if you're not sure, maybe it's doing a little bit of research before jumping in and wanting to uh, do something new or different. Um, in March, I would say we all felt like what's happening next and morning to afternoon there were major changes. I think things have settled down a little bit more and we're in more of a routine than we were say a month ago. But still there's those things like confidentiality and HIPAA constraints to consider as well. You may not be the person that they can share specific information with and those things would still be present um, now with the pandemic that we're in. So I also think, gosh, it's a time to just express appreciation towards the staff for all that they're doing. After all, the staff really is there for them. And so my mind went to, what are some questions we could reasonably ask the staff? And I came up with, hey, how are you doing today? Sure. What do you need, um, have you been sick or a family member been sick? And what can I do to help you provide the best care to those in long-term care facilities? So I think it's a give and take and with some thoughtful intention, I think together we can make that really successful.
0: I think that's a wonderful sentiment. You know, this is a community, right? This is a disease that affects communities. And then this situation with COVID is requiring communities to really get together um, to take care of each other so I think that's a wonderful uh, way of looking at it and uh, I'm glad you said that because that isn't something uh, I thought of when I when I was writing that question for you um, but you know going back to family members communicating with their loved ones sometimes through the care staff how can they communicate their support in this remote way
1: oh I think that's a great question and I always think about taking taking things back to the basics um, Again, we're social distancing and that isolation rule sort of makes communication more challenging. And so, if we think about our person, maybe they're a person who's more in the mild cognitive impairment state. They're able to have good conversation. um, And then, you know, it would be appropriate based on that person to just have a general conversation about what's going on in the world. And also ending with just gentle reminders about hey you can wash your hands more often and some good sanitation uh, processes to put in place would be you know just additional wiping down of maybe their cell phone or if they have a laptop Um, some of those things that they probably did before emphasizing that again and just good hygiene in general so I think for persons who are more severe with issues like Alzheimer's disease and just not able to process that information it's best to avoid discussions about COVID-19 or the virus. And from the Alzheimer's and Dementia Alliance, we suggest that the best strategy is to always meet the person where they are, literally and figuratively. We know facilities are offering the best care they can at this time. And person-centered care means really evaluating those dementia expressions. What are they trying to tell us through language, embodied language? What about the social and in, environmental factors that are happening? Um, you know, looking at in a care facility and we probably have more restrictions than we had before, but how can we make that person with dementia, you know, feel comfortable and continue to address the needs that they have?
0: You know, in your work, you interact a lot with caregivers and you are working in the rural communities. So I'm wondering, you know, how is the situation impacting caregivers from rural communities, and, and do you see a difference between that and those in cities?
1: Uh, absolutely. I think that it's a huge impact in the rural communities. I think that when we look at what is the landscape that makes up a rural community, those smaller, tight-knit communities, it really is that base of agriculture. Those are our largest employers. They have they are farmers and food processors. And then we have medical care facilities like long-term care, nursing homes, hospitals and clinics. A huge also employer is government agencies and schools. So for example, in Grant County, you know, we are the largest county in the state and I actually happen to reside in Grant County. Um, And we have three critical access hospitals here in Grant County, which is really pretty unheard of. And each one of those hospitals employs nearly 200 people. So those medical providers, they're our neighbors, they're our friends. Um, when you look at another service delivery area of the Alliance in central Wisconsin, we have a dementia outreach specialist who serves three counties and there's not a hospital in any of those counties. And. One other area in central Wisconsin, less than a year ago, just got their first supportive home care agency. So while in the larger populated areas like Madison and Eau Claire and, and things like that, yeah, they have those multiple supportive home care agencies, but you get in the rural communities and we don't have as much um, to offer our families. And there is that sense in the rural community that... Um, I'm gonna leave that resource for someone else. I'm really, I'm okay. I'm not really needing it now. That sense of planning further out uh, a lot of times isn't there. And so that encouraging um, just some long-term planning and opening up those discussions about thinking about those things if something were to happen to you as a caregiver, what is the backup plan? And so those are always conversations we're having. And, You know, the goal is to just, you know, help as many people as we can.
0: Now, talk to me about the CALM method that the Alzheimer's and Dementia Alliance of Wisconsin is using to help caregivers cope uh, during this time, as well as just during uh, the pre- and post-COVID time.
1: Right. So in March, when we first um, understood what the state of Wisconsin was uh, directing us to do to uh, flatten the curve, immediately we had conversations about, yes, what's happening right now and what we need to protect not only our staff, but the people that we provide services for. Um, The additional part of that conversation was, oh gosh, what happens after COVID-19? So we were considering the second pandemic related to mental health in the months after the Safer at Home order was lifted. And so the CALM method is really a structured therapeutic approach that has research backing it it's demonstrated to be effective in helping people just reduce their anxiety and depression symptoms so all alzheimer's alliance dementia outreach staff are currently receiving these trainings under the guidance of a board certified psychiatrist dr Reinold. and right now they've completed two of those three trainings so, um, in May, the dementia outreach specialists will begin to weave the calm concept into care consultations and our support groups and other groups, you know, where it's appropriate, just to help alleviate caregiver burden now, but also in the months following the pandemic. I think, too, that just months down the road, we're all going to be in a different place. Um, and we will be in a place where we can process everything that's happened. So that really was the vision for um, implementing and training in this CALM method. Uh, Through our groups, we always look for solutions or look for ways to solve problems, create connections, and support each other. And a huge component of this is always to provide hope and encouragement to our caregivers and persons with dementia.
0: Well, I'm glad you're working on it because it really is something that has to be addressed not only presently during the pandemic, but also the consequences of the pandemic and when we're past this. Um, And so I'm hoping that more and more agencies uh, and healthcare systems are going to be utilizing these kind of resources like you guys are uh, to provide mental health um, for everyone, uh, including and especially caregivers. You know, to end... I guess I'd like to have you provide just some general tips that you would recommend for caregivers, whether their loved one is at home or in a facility, things that you want our listeners uh, to take with them, some key aspects.
1: Sure, I think that um, one thing that we stress and everyone is really trying to do now that we are in our homes and with our families day in and day out, it's maintain your health, maintain your physical and emotional health. So for you, that's taking a nap um, and we hope that you do that for you it's grabbing a snack and uh, taking a walk um, doing some meditation i think you know yourself best and and providing that self-care to yourself at this time is really important i think too thinking about that routine and structure and the person with dementia will have brief moments of understanding what's going on and we hear it a lot in the news to you know turn off the tv and Social media is, is not so great right now. And so um, I think that people who can step away from those things and modify those um, kind of a stimulation to people. And, it, you know, it gets us to feeling more anxious. And we also don't want to spread our worry over into other people. And so we can do that unknowingly as well. So just being aware. Keep it upbeat, positive, find fun. There still has to be humor in the day. Um, you know, we were giggling just with my family at supper last night over the silliest things. And, you know, it just brought me back to that, you know, where this is great because we kind of still enjoy each other. Why shouldn't we? There are, everyone's doing their part to flatten the curve. And we're hearing that it's happening in Wisconsin. So I think it's time to just, um, you know, relax a little bit. I think to um, being personal and connected with the person. So spending time with your family. I was hearing, um, try the 20 second hug, like hold, hold your family member for 20 seconds. And the, the point is to notice the anxious feelings disappear after 20 seconds. So if you can track down your teenager and try that, um, <laughs> maybe cause some humor and laughter too, um, or maybe send them a text ahead of time to just say, hey. I'm going to try this later. Um, let me know how that works. (laughs) Um, personal protective equipment is important. Um, and I have to share this story that, you know, I was given some boxes of gloves and this was early in March and it was actually from a dairy supplier out here in Grant County. And yeah, I took them, but, and he said to me, um, you're going to need them. And I thought, yeah, thank you. You know, that was really a nice gesture and i really didn't think i would but i find myself using them so i think that that generosity that that people are still concerned for others is, is pretty important and if you have personal protective equipment you should use it your loved ones should use it try to avoid going out you know order your groceries for pickup um, medications at the pharmacy curbside i think these are pretty uh, regular things that are occurring right now but um, i guess The other thing is just there is no limit right now on the amount of information for caregivers and families of persons with dementia. So please reach out to any Alzheimer's support agency in Wisconsin for more information and resources. We're all in this together and we're all here to help.
0: I think that was very helpful and very complete becky one of the key things i took away from that is it's okay for me to nap during the day so for all of our listeners you feel free to tell your employers that becky said it's okay (laughs) for us to take some time to nap (laughs) and with that i would really like to thank you for for all this information and these resources that you listed uh, on dementia matters and i do hope that we can connect post COVID 19 pandemic thank you Please subscribe to Dementia Matters on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. And rate us on your favorite podcast app. It helps other people find our show and lets us know how we're doing. Dementia Matters is brought to you by the Wisconsin Alzheimer's Disease Research Center. The Wisconsin Alzheimer's Disease Research Center combines academic, clinical, and research expertise. From the university of wisconsin school of medicine and public health and the geriatric research education and clinical center of the william s middleton memorial veterans hospital in madison wisconsin it receives funding from private university state and national sources including a grant from the national institutes of health for alzheimer's disease centers this episode was produced by bonnie nutkinson and edited by Bashir adin our musical jingle is organisms by chad crouch Check out our website at adrc.wisc.edu. That's adrc.wisc.edu. You can also follow us on Twitter and Facebook. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at dementia matters at That's dementia matters at medicine.wisc.edu. Thanks for listening.